Daniel, this book. Okay, so sometimes we'll get these books, and I'll say, yeah, I'll read this thing, and I read, you know, the back cover, and then try to fake my way through an interview. As somebody who has played daily fantasy sports since kind of right before the boom, uh, somebody who has been told many times, this is the day, cash out everything you have now, this empire is fading, and then you still put in 50 the next day. Uh, this was a gripping tale of sort of your immersion into this thing, and I find it interesting really because you started, uh, I mean, you were a beat writer for the Yankees for the longest time, and that, Daniel, is when you kind of, well, that's when you discovered what this whole daily fantasy sports world was about. Yeah, I mean, Bart, I think your um, your experience is actually a little ahead of the game of most people. It seems like you were a little ahead of mine, actually, uh, where, you know, I think many people just had a, you know, a standard drafting a team with your buddies and playing along for the uh, course of the year. And then, of course, in 2015, really, uh, the whole thing changed very dramatically. And that's when most people saw the, the advertising blitz that catapulted the company's DraftKings and FanDuel really into the national consciousness. So, as you noted, I was a the Yankees beat writer at the Wall Street Journal, and I discovered it, you know, around May of that year and said, whoa, A, this thing is super fun, but B, it's also a little crazy. Um, it seems so big, and I, I can't believe more people aren't kind of looking into this and talking about this. So I decided I'm going to try to go into this thing and tell the story of it from the inside, seeing if I can become one of the big sharks instead of the terrible fish that I was at the time. Yeah, so, so with these fish... All right, so fish is basically, well, anybody that that I've signed up to play these things, you you play daily fantasy sports. The promise there, as we know, is that you can be one of these big winners. Now, if you do it right, you can win a little bit of money at the end of the day, at the end of your bank account. You may be even. You may be up a little bit. You may have lost. But what happens is with anything, there's people that get into it, and then there's people ahead of the curve. So I may have... I may have known about it, but I was not ahead of the curve in terms of how to make this really a money-making operation. Because when you think, hey, I want to set a daily fantasy sports lineup, the understanding is just like with your other fantasy leagues. You set the lineup, you know, you're good at sports, and you being as close as you were to the Yankees in baseball, you think, all right, there's a lot of potential for me here. But what you learn and what you learn in the book and then – the way you track these people down is great too, that there are these formulas, there are databases, there are spreadsheets, there are systems that will enter in salaries for you and make necessary adjustments. So when you play your one lineup, you play your one lineup that you took 20 minutes to set and you think that you're good to go. There's people that have been working the entire day with scripts, setting all this stuff, getting it ready, and they're the ones winning the $10,000, and you lose 20 bucks on the night, and you think, well, I guess I just didn't have the best lineup that night, but it's because there's all these sharks, which you, you became. It wasn't that people were cheating, but it was that in their, crush, their drive to destroy each other, DraftKings and FanDuel had created a world where there were really no checks and balances, and it allowed the best players to run roughshod over people like you and me. And so I really didn't like that. And I, I said, I want to get to this thing and, and tell the story of it and see if it is the, even at all possible to become one of these sharks without having computer algorithms and without doing all that kind of crazy stuff. So, you know, I went in and, as you noted, tried to go find mentors and teachers and live amongst the biggest and best of that world. And, uh, you know, eventually I was able to ingratiate myself to the point where I was able to be successful. But 
you know, I certainly wouldn't say that I had the average person's experience in the sense of, yeah, I proved it's possible, but I also had inherent advantages in terms of who I was before this that allowed me to get the kind of mentoring and tutelage that I think, you know, most people are not going to be able to get. Right, but and as you find out, that might not even matter because I think, look, I, I'm on a sports radio station. I'm a big sports fan. I cover these teams. I can get the lineups before everybody else. Some of these guys that play this stuff, this is purely a, a numbers thing. They don't know how to pronounce these guys' names. They don't know what they look like. They don't know if they're white or if they're black or if they're veterans or if they're rookies, but they know numbers. And when you when you first learn that that's what you're going up against and those are the guys that are beating you, it's very daunting. But yet, I think people are learning that, yet people aren't stopping because of how, how addicting really games like this are. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. It is a lot of fun. It's very addictive, as I certainly found. It's very hard to pull yourself away from it. Um, you know, there's a lot of tough gambling questions that come with that too, you know, where people are actually getting addicted and people are throwing tons of money at it because the game is designed that way. It's, um, it's a lot of fun. It's very smart. It's very, uh, you know, easy to get lost in. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the games themselves, I think one of the mistakes I made initially was thinking that this was a sports game and sports knowledge was going to carry the day, but no, it's to some degree a math game with a sports facade. And the two are, you know, combined is, you know, sports knowledge helps, believe me, but at the start of it, you know, you have to understand things like game theory and, you know, linear optimization and, and uh, lineup correlation to really get any good at this. And so, you know, over time I became good at those concepts, became good at those things under some of the best people teaching me, but you know, that's not what everyone thinks it is. They think it's, Oh, you know, a little bit of football knowledge, show up and you're going to win a thousand dollars. And it's certainly not that. Daniel Barbarisi, the book is Dueling with Kings. You do, when you play DraftKings or FanDuel, the two big ones, you see the same names win the same tournaments. Now, they have since taken steps to, they'll show you if this guy's a a veteran or they'll show you. But, but I mean, I have the little star next to my name. I'm certainly not <laughs> winning a ton of money on this thing. But you see those names, and the way you were able to track down these guys I thought was remarkable. Yeah, well, I mean, it's um, I, one of the things I wanted to do was kind of pull the mask off of some of this, you know, and say, okay, this is who this person is. This is how they do it. You know, this is who they are. And, you know, many of the people I talked to said, well, oh, you're going to keep me anonymous, right? And I said, no way. Absolutely <laughs> not. This is the point of this is to, you know, really try to tell the real story of what's going on here and show who these guys really were. And so, yeah, I mean, some were very hard to track down. Some were easier, honestly. Some really liked the attention and some wanted no part of it. But, um you know, at the end, I found them all to be almost to a man very interesting people because they're very smart. Even the ones who are a little bit more bro-oriented, shall we say, are still pretty smart. Um, you know, these are this is a very high end of people who are at the top of this thing. And you know, if you're not smart and practiced and employing pretty good methods, you're going to have trouble here. And you know, again, that's not what the original commercial said. Uh, and they didn't let on to that. But yeah, and when you talk about those experience badges, I think I do say something in the book where. Um, you know, for instance, the, the biggest and best player in the world, you know, Sahil Sood, formerly known as Max Dallery, uh, is, which is an interesting story in its own right in terms of how he actually took a name from another guy. It's all a thing. It's in the book, whatever. But, um, you know, when I first uh, dealt with him, I mean, he has the same experience badge I do. And he is light years ahead of me and you and everyone else who has that same rating. So 
while things are definitely better in terms of showing you, hey, this guy is really good, this guy could really crush you, it's still a little bit uh, deceptive in that I think it actually serves to highlight who the fish are and not really highlight who the sharks are. A lot of people's first immersion with daily fantasy sports was the blitz uh, with the NFL season a couple of years ago. That would have been the, the 2015 season where the commercials were on all the time. I mean, you would look at a normal commercial break. It would be DraftKings, Motor Oil, FanDuel, Fast Food, and then the same DraftKings commercial you just saw. And, and at that point, people started to think, okay, all right, there's there's an interesting component to this. In fact, where is this money coming from? How are they getting this much money? Is this stuff even legal? The fight that DraftKings and FanDuel and these companies Daily Fantasy Sports have had to gone through uh, the state that you lived in. Shut it down. And there's states that you can't play in. You have to, when you put in money, you have to specify what state you're in. And if you're in the wrong state, you're not going to get it in. This is still an ongoing, evolving legal matter from the fact that is it gambling or is it not? Yeah, I mean, that's that's really the, the big fight right now. It's happening in you know, legislatures and state houses across the country, really, at this moment. Uh, because these companies, you know, after they did end up the target of all kinds of well-deserved attention from the media and from regulatory agencies, because everyone asked those questions you just mentioned, what is this? Where did they come from? How did they get so big? What's the money end of it? Is it all legal? Once they, you know, began to become, began to become subjects of all those inquiries, uh, it became very clear there should be regulatory elements here. There's too much money flowing through it for there not to be. Um, it's, you know, it's very much like the idea of day trading and all that, but those things are very highly regulated. So when this wasn't, that raised a lot of eyebrows. Right now, I think the industry itself has pulled up a very, very impressive lobbying effort, actually. They've gotten themselves explicitly legalized in a number of states. And you mentioned they're referred to New York. New York was their toughest battle, and uh, they were originally banned in New York, and then they managed to get a bill passed that legalized them explicitly in New York. So now they're back in business there, and that was a huge victory for the uh, for the companies. But there's a lot of other states, uh, Texas being a really good example, where you know that battle is underway right now. And so that's what they're trying to do now is actually get legislators across the country to say, okay, we're okay with this thing. We think it should be legal, but we want to make sure there are protections in place for the average player so that you don't have the situation like what I found and what you're talking about where – you know, you're getting crushed by the same guys, and they may or may not be using methods that you don't like. So that's kind of where it stands now. It's, I think it's definitely in a better place, but that's mostly because of all the attention, the light shut on it, and the regulatory efforts. Not even the companies were going to do by themselves. Daniel Barbarisi, Dueling with Kings. I don't want to ruin much of the book as far as the stories and the friendships that you make, but the when you – so you're, you're in baseball. You're a baseball beat writer. You're playing baseball games. You're playing football games. And I don't know why it struck me uh, as shocking as it did. But when you started talking about you were going to start playing hockey, and you're not a hockey guy, but your wife covers hockey, but you don't know much about hockey. You don't just like a lot of people, baseball, football, basketball, and then hockey just exists. You, your foray into hockey was like the end of the sixth sense to me. I don't know why it was so shocking, <laughs> but I, 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 I think I audibly gasped. It is funny. I mean, yeah, so when I, obviously, as we discussed, I was a baseball guy, and I thought that was going to make me successful, but I think actually it hurt me because I came in with a lot of preconceived assumptions and, and too much foreknowledge, and I wasn't, I almost needed to 
you know, unlearn what I have learned, shall we say. And so to really start from blank, blank slate to be good at this. And so, yeah, when I, when my mentor, a guy named uh, Jay Rayner, who's actually a really wonderful guy, but he goes by the username Beat by Majeep, um, he said, I'm going to start you and build you from scratch as a hockey pro. And I was like, that's crazy. I think I said in the book that I hadn't paid attention to a hockey team since the 94 Rangers. I didn't know anything about anything. But he actually thought that was good, and it turned out that it was because, yes, I did become very successful in hockey. And uh, actually, it's funny, Beep, uh, the other day on Saturday, won the fantasy hockey championship of the world. So clearly he actually was certainly the right person to go to for advice there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's funny. I mean, I've become a huge hockey fan directly as a result of this. Uh, and that's what the leagues are banking on is that if they partner with these companies, you're going to care about a Vancouver San Jose game at 1 a.m. on the West coast finishing up. Whereas you're someone from Boston and you don't would normally never pay attention to that. So, I mean, I am living proof that that stuff definitely happens. Um, and that's what they're hoping for. When you're watching your lineups that late at night, they call it they call it a sweat when you sweat out the lineups. And and I was sweating with your tale of how much you were able to win playing hockey. I was, you know, right there with you. You did a great job in the writing style of of keeping everybody engaged. Again, the book is Dueling with Kings, Daniel Barbarisi. Are you at the point now where this is your job, or, or what's your life like now? How much are you doing this? Um, I still do play, but no, I definitely don't consider it my job. I mean, I, uh, you know, I consider myself a storyteller and the whole idea was I got the chance to tell a really cool and crazy and amazing story here. Uh, and yeah, it was very interesting to do this along the way, but, uh, now my ambition has never been to be a DFS pro. I, I, cause I cashed out the other night, I just had like three bucks and there's, uh, and you know, overall I'm down, but you have a night where you win a little bit and you're happy. And I, I tell myself, I'm not going to play anymore. And then I get a free entry. And then I think, well, I really like this lineup. And, okay, I'll put in $10. As far as my friends now, I'm one of the few guys left that are still playing it. But mine's very recreational. I do have one friend who he hit a a big one, not like like you guys have been able to hit, but he hit a big enough one where he's been able to play for a while. And what he'll do every night now I think he plays NBA a lot. He'll do half in tournaments and try to win big there. And then you do a different lineup for, for the cash games so that he can win on the 50-50s and keep going. He's kind of got his method, and we all look at him like he's a genius. But, again, compared to the the level of techniques and, and the computer simulations through it, I mean, how much of that is still – relevant where you can you can work a nine to five right and then come home and set your lineup but you have to go against still guys that are setting scripts all day is that still happening a lot uh, i mean the scripting part i think is not as big of a concern anymore uh it's certainly out there but not as big a deal uh it's more just that you know yeah those guys are really really good at what they're doing they're really practiced at it and you actually i think hit the, the underrated part on the head which is that you're coming home and spending your thing for half an hour putting that lineup in there's other guys who've been working on it since 9 a.m. You know, it's time is the biggest advantage that the pros have, and they put all of their time and intelligence into it, and everyone else is kind of showing up and saying, wee, let's have a little fun. And so you're almost playing a different game to some extent. I, at this point, I don't put in a lineup, generally speaking, unless I have four or five hours to work on them. And, you know, I mean, if you're not doing that, you may be setting yourself up for failure in the short term, and you're almost certainly doing so in the long term. When you when you need four or five hours to do a lineup as opposed to just thirty minutes, 
I mean, without giving, I mean, if you want to, whatever you want to give away, fine. But what do you do in that time? Because some there's people that I, if you tell them, if you want to win, you have to you have to do a five hour lineup, and they might think, well, what am I looking for? It's five hours to set this eight person lineup. That's not going to take me that long. Well, it doesn't have to, but uh, I should say I'm talking maybe let's say three to five lineups. But the idea being that every game deserves rigorous analysis. Every yeah. scenario has to be you know, essentially tested. I have my own, you know, kind of methods and theories that I employ. You know, I'm not an algorithm person at all, but I really like to go over all the potential combinations, potential possibilities, really try to vet the stats on it and break everything down. You know, I mean, salary analysis matters. The game is different every day. It really is to some extent a puzzle, and you have to try to figure that puzzle out. And so, you know, it, it's not – it. there's a lot you can do. I'll say that, you know, it it can take a lot of time and you can really work hard at it. And sometimes I feel like, okay, that didn't take that long. And then sometimes I'll feel like, oh, seven o'clock hits. I really needed another hour on this because these games offer a lot of different statistical possibilities. And I'm not really sure what I think is going to happen yet. So, you know, it's, uh, you can put as much time into it as you want. And a lot of the time, I would say most of the time, that's time well spent. Do you think overall, uh, daily fantasy sports is is good for sports is good for these games because there's there's a lot of positives to it i mean it gets more attention on games and you might have people buying the mlb extra innings package to watch padres mariners you know when they normally wouldn't care but there's also the point where uh, twitter's a big part of it you get people yelling at athletes uh you could get athletes that are playing you get people mad, and they're more looked at as commodities now than they are players of their favorite sports teams. Well, I think that's you know a larger trend where you're seeing just more people wanting things that didn't used to immediately gratify them to have a direct connection to them. You know, and you see it in every walk of life at this point. And you know, this is a social media thing. This is a technology-related thing. But we all expect to have an individual investment in whatever the heck is going on in front of us. We are not willing to be passive consumers anymore. And I think that's whether that's good or bad is for bigger minds than mine to argue, but I think it's where we are. And I think the leagues certainly believe in that, at the idea that this is how they are going to keep people's eyeballs on their screens. You know, the, the leagues used to be all about TV rights and you know, ESPN contracts and all that, and court cutting is changing all that. Things are going in different directions. So they're now thinking about how can we adjust for this. And so I think that sports gambling in general is a big part of that, and you're going to see us move probably, I would say, towards a more European model in the next five to ten years. Don't know exactly how that's going to shake out yet, but I think we're going there. So, you know, in terms of the the good or bad of it, I simply just say at this point it is. So for a normal guy like me, uh, you know, talking to you for 20 minutes or so, a normal guy like me, I'm going to go home tonight and I'm going to play some lineups. Is there – I? I get discouraged though because I I don't have the the time I don't have the the methods that you and uh, beep in a jeep and all these guys have. Can normal people like me that play can you win the ten thousand dollars? Can you win the hundred thousand dollars? Can you can you do that without taking the route of being a shark? like you had to do great to want to write a book about something and then pr- profit off that as well. That, that worked great for you. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> yeah. Can, can a guy like me go home and win money or do I have to take your route? Um, can you? Yes. Do I think you're going to tonight? No. And that's no insult to your intelligence, but I mean, it's certainly possible, but you know, I think the, what are the stats on it? That 15% of people win. 
You know, that's well, what it is at this point. That's better than what it used to be. Um, but, you know, look, if you're going in and looking at it as what I think you do look at it as, which is entertainment and as a supplement to keep you more engaged in the games you're probably already going to watch, wonderful. You should do it like that. If you're going in there thinking, I'm going to profit off this every day and make a lot of money and this is going to be my new career, I would tell you to stick to your day job. Because unless you're going to take it incredibly super seriously, you know, the idea is that, yeah, you can hit. You can get lucky. You can have a really good lineup, and that lineup can win for you. But if it's pretty hard to be consistently profitable if you're not putting in the real time and the real effort and the real energy and all that. So, you know, um, yeah, it absolutely is possible. It absolutely can be done. But, you know, people need to recognize, and this is one of the things that made me mad at the beginning, the commercials said otherwise. People need to recognize it's very hard, and it takes a lot, and you're not just going to show up and win. It doesn't work that way. Oh, man, Daniel, two summers ago, I worked two different jobs an hour apart. So I drive to one and then I drive to the next one. And in that hour, you're also, I have a little credit card debt at the time, which is <laughs> never the right time to be doing this. So I'm driving down and on the drive, I'm on my phone and I'm playing the $27 MLB DraftKings and I'm just spending money and spending money. Where I'm at now, I think, is much better. I'll play, you know, the five, the single entry, three, two. I'll play $15 a night and 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 have fun and enjoy it, but not get too crazy. But it is very easy to fall into that trap. Oh, yeah, that, that experience, I mean, what you just described, I've done that to a T, you know, setting lineups on a drive and being like, oh, well, my lineup's good, so why would I only have it in the $3? I should put it in the 27 And then once you go down that slope, it's, well, it's that good. I should put it in the 50 So, you know, it's it starts to snowball from there. Yeah, um, and then the and night you win, you only had put it in the 3 And yep. then you're like, well, I should have won five grand. So to, the next day I'm chasing that money that I never had. There's a lot of that chase, too. I mean, there's even that even happens with professionals. I was out uh, in Miami this weekend with several of these guys, and I was actually was uh, Sunday night, and one of the big pros was, um, was we were at dinner, and he had taken a light night, and he put in $1,000, which obviously is a lot of money, but for him, who normally bets ten to 15000 a day, it was not, and he won 50000 off that 1000 and you would think he'd be happy, but he was kicking himself because he had literally played a tenth of what he normally did, and if he had played a normal amount, you know, he could have had an incredibly huge, you know, life-changing night. So, um, I mean, it even happens at the highest levels where these guys wow. are still having that, that regret, uh, the same one that we're having over our $30. So it's a, it's a strange world. That, like any time you walk out of the casino, that's why you're a loser because it, once you win, you think, well, this $600 I won, that's not enough. I want to win 1200 And then by the time you leave, you're down 1200 So as long as you play in moderation, they're great games. And the journey that you went on, Dueling with Kings, the book, Daniel Barbarisi, uh, I think is a fun read, especially if you are if you are playing fantasy sports, whether it's just for fun or if you are looking to win money, there's a whole nother part of it that I think is surprising to people that you do a great job of taking us through. I still, um, I'm very skeptical that you can walk away from it though. So if you are able to do that, I'll be very impressed. I, I will uh, have to let you know. I mean, um, 
Yeah, I guess we're going to find out the hard way. <laughs> yeah, the very hard way. Daniel, such a pleasure to talk to you. The book, terrific. We'll make sure to get this in front of as many eyes as we can. Again, Dueling with Kings. Best of luck playing for however long you play. Thank you, Mr. Bart. I appreciate it, and uh, good luck to you, too. Maybe I'll see you in there tonight.